This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi, and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name's Martine, and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of the show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help, and then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who's an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hello, my name is Joanna. I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses or opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So, what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it gets a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as the sufferer of cancer. If you're an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. And if you think this sounds traumatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it's an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one's too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink and this makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM. 
I wonder if you'd like to introduce yourselves and give us um, a quick sketch of who you are, maybe starting with your age and how many years you've been sober for. Uh, kia ora, my name is Joanna. I'm a sober alcoholic. I oh, have been sober for 14 years. And what was the other question? Your age. I am 40. Excellent. And what do you do for a job, Joanna? Uh, I work with children um, and I have a side business as a life coach and personal trainer. Excellent. And what about family? Are you married? Do you have children? No, I don't want to be married and I don't want children. So I am happy. (laughs) I am more than happy with the outcome of my life. Excellent. And can you just give us a bit of a background about where you're from, how you grew up, what your childhood was like? Where I'm from is Christchurch. Uh, How I grew up was, um, well, in an alcoholic home with two loving parents that were doing the best they could, but I was raised in an alcoholic home, so with that come certain dysfunctions. Um, And what was the other question? And what was your childhood like? My childhood was supportive. I had a lot of health problems growing up. My family always prioritised my health. I also have uh, a learning disability. I have dyslexia. So that was always supported through my family. So those key things were always cared for. But um, emotional well-being and coupled with being raised in an alcoholic home and with a codependent um, mother didn't it wasn't very emotionally supportive so this is the stuff I needed to learn in Alcoholics Anonymous in order to have a a healthy life. Sure could you please tell us about um, about how your drinking started your first drink what it felt like? Yes Um, my first drink was at 14 years old Uh, the first time I had a drink I thought I'd found the answer to everything Um, The fact that I thought alcohol was the answer to everything, everything being the way I felt, is really quite peculiar looking back on it now and even saying that sentence, but that was the truth. Yeah. Um, How it made you feel? Oh, the answer to everything. Comfortable in my own skin, powerful, um, comfortable around other people, comfortable in uh, society. Um, Because of my dyslexia, I believed I was stupid which is completely untrue now, and I've learned a lot about that and found a lot of ways on how my mind works as far as academic learning and learning as an adult. But I finally felt comfortable in my own skin, which which was clearly what I desired and what I wanted and what we all want. And alcohol gave me that, and I ha- I happen to have alcoholism, so it's probably why it gave me that. Yeah. So how did how did your drinking then progress? What what sort of um, what way did it move? Were you a binge drinker? Were you how how did it progress? I just needed to have it as often as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was drinking on the weekend with friends from fourteen onwards. Yeah. So that was asking people outside alcohol bottle stores to 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 buy it for us. Yeah. I was a binge drinker. Um, there's been times where I can reach blackout in under two hours with the rapidness of how much I consume alcohol. I was not a daily drinker. Right. Uh, maybe if I could have afforded it, it might have been different. Yeah. But I'm a binge drinker because from 15 was my first drug and alcohol counsellor because I knew something was wrong. So I started drinking at 14. I have been trying to stop drinking from 15. Um, I had gone to three drug and alcohol counsellors to try and help me 
do it differently and they couldn't help me and yeah that's exceptionally young it is do you think that it had something to do with the fact that you there was alcoholism in your family did you recognize it or it was just you were freaked out from how because it must have been pretty intense yes so no one in my family had um, got any form of 12-step recovery at this point yeah for me I just felt so uncomfortable the morning after drinking, yeah. but I could not stop drinking. I knew it was alcohol, but I didn't fully know it was alcohol. So I was trying to find a way that I could consume it without, like, just find a way to consume it right, in a better way. Right. Um, it is incredibly young. It, it is the way I, I operate, though. I'm actually very motivated, um, and that's really benefited me when coming into recovery. Yeah. Yeah. So so you were relatively young when you realised it was a problem. In between the, the sort of that phase and when you stopped, had you lost any jobs? Can you tell me about like your relationships, who you were at that at that in that chunk of your life? Sure. So even though at fifteen I was from fifteen, twenty two, twenty three, I took myself to drug and alcohol counsellors and had drug and alcohol replacements, which are naltrexone and antabuse. I was still drinking. I couldn't not drink, which is the whole point. Um, I was going out to parties a lot. I had friends that were good people, but I had no self-esteem and no self-worth, so I was finding myself in very undesirable situations. Okay, and have you have you lost any jobs? What were the, some of the no. other outcomes of your... No. So I, I never lost any jobs um, through my drinking. I never got a criminal record. I was never given a driving ticket or anything like that. The consequences of my drinking were the loss of relationships, Yeah. Um, were people saying, I'm worried about your drinking. Um, a lot of the consequences of my drinking were internal. Right. It, it, it was really the complete... Um, discomfort, shame, complete bafflement that this was continuing to happen. Why do I keep doing it? Yeah. Uh, why do I get so excited about drinking once I've made the decision to drink? Why, when I start, do I drink so rapidly? Um, what What is actually happening to me? So I didn't want that feeling, but I did not have the skills to stop it. And even if I did have the skills, I was addicted. So even being as so self-motivated as I was, I was unable to stop it. So when somebody said, Joanna, I think you've got a problem, how did you respond to that? Um, I mean, not well. They were yeah. gone after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bye. Thanks so. So. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell us, and I think, I think a lot of people can relate to that. I certainly mm. can. Mm. Yeah. Um, so could you tell us about how you found your way to a fir your first AA meeting and what that was like for you? So um, I had a parent who had long-term sobriety by the time um, that I wanted to get sober. The reason I chose to go to AA was, one, because uh, my father was a sober alcoholic, like I just said, but also I had run out of ideas. Like, I'm an ideas person, I implement them, and I had run out 
of strategies, like completely run out of strategies, and I had no more ideas. That's when I got sober. Yeah, that's not when other people I I know got sober. They've, everyone has different stories, but that's that's how I got sober because I ran out of ideas. Um, on the first ten days of my sobriety in Melbourne, I went to let's say seven meetings, and four of them I couldn't find. I'd got yelled at someone because it was the wrong address and all this stuff. And I remember someone said to me, um, maybe you're not an alcoholic. And I just said, well, maybe I actually need to read a map. So it was the motivation of even though it wasn't there or even though I couldn't find it or even though blah, 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 I still had to go. I needed to actually plan the trips because I was in Melbourne. I was taking public transport and there was no smartphones then. Um, so it was like, this needs to be a priority. This needs to be done better. And I was still trying and I was still going, even if I couldn't find it, because I was desperate. So did you just take yourself there? You didn't yep. get a referral, right? No I, no, I took myself there. But my right. father was in recovery, so I knew it was available. And because I had run out of ideas, I went, maybe I'm an alcoholic. That sounds like I came to that conclusion. That was after an argument with my sister. Right. <laughs> yeah. So what were the other AA members like? On my first meeting, the meeting wasn't for me. And on the second meeting, the, it was for me. So I needed to go to different meetings to see where I felt comfortable, yeah. um, which ones were close by, which ones worked, which ones didn't for my schedule. So the, the argument could be at the first meeting I wasn't ready or not but the second meeting I was, and it yeah. was the perfect people, the perfect environment, and the right time. Right. And, yeah. Great. Oh, yes, I wonder if, if people understand, if they're, if they're listening, if they if they are still drinking and haven't come in, that, that AA has a raft of different meetings. Yeah. It has women-only meetings. Yeah. It has um, speaker meetings. It has a whole mm. lot. And I completely agree that mm. you do, you know, with Christchurch having sort of 60, over 60 meetings, there's a lot of choice. And you do need to find the, um, the combination of, of what works for you. Mm. So how would you describe how you've managed to stay sober? Doing the steps doing service, having sponsorship, uh, prioritising it. Yeah. When I came into AA and started the steps with a sponsor, the relief I found, fr- it, it was better than drinking at that point. I yeah. needed something that was better than drinking. Yeah. And yes, there's doing the steps, but there's also offshoot of, of emotional and personal learning that comes from that outside of AA too. And that kept me interested enough and that kept me results-focused enough. Like, if I'm experiencing more peace of mind, if I'm experiencing better relationships, if I'm experiencing a better life that I'm working for, um, as well as surprisingly given it sometimes, but also putting in the effort, yeah. um, I chose that over drinking because at that point in my life, it, it was what I wanted more. Yeah. I wanted a better life more than I wanted to keep drinking. Yeah. And how did you... and did you and do you cope with difficulties? I mean, difficulties are life and there's difficulties that happen and there's difficulties that I've caused. So it depends which difficulties, it depends which time. But I have a network of people that I can be perfectly honest about and tell on myself about. So if I'm about to create a difficulty, I know what that feels like by now because I've 
done it enough times and had the consequences. I've worked the steps. I know who I am. I know what my triggers are. I know what I want. I know what I don't. So there's the preventable difficulties um, or there's the other difficulties such as life, you know, pandemic, you know, illness, etc. that I ask for help. You know, whether that, you know, I'm not going to list all the places, but you ask for help. Yeah. And, and it's honesty. Um, and I know what that is. I know what that feels like. And I have experiences of the benefits of the results of that. And how important has service been as a part of your recovery? Uh, yes. I mean, service has been vital. Um, if I'm totally honest, I could be better at it now. Um, but especially in the early days, service was just what I did. Yeah. That's what, that's what I did. It's what you do is what I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how would you describe yourself and the life that you have today? Ooh, describe myself and the life I have today. I, I have a life that I have created, you know, high power and all of that, but that I've put in the work to create that I don't know how good it is until it's disturbed. Right. Like, I don't know what a luxury some of the stuff I have is until it's disrupted. Like like was said about no marriage, no kids, that's not what I want. I don't have that. I'm very fortunate to have, like brave enough to start a business, lucky enough to have acquired a house. The relationships I have in my life now are honest. You know, all, all the other relationships that are not have been moved on. Yeah. Um, I... I it's not that I have a life beyond my wildest dreams because I probably would have thought something really ridiculous if I go to wildest dreams. But for me, I have such a life that suits me so well and supports my creativity, bravery, my thirst for experiences and more that I'm not willing to give it up yeah. uh, without a good old-fashioned fight. But I do what I can to keep it and grow from it, like honesty, like self-development, like AA. Um, yeah, all of that. So my life's rad. <laughs> <laughs> and describe me. Describe me. Um, I like me. I'm comfortable with me. Um, I don't get into predictable um, altercations anymore. I can keep my mouth shut. I can keep my mouth open too, and I can be – honest in the moment or later. Um, I really know myself in and out because I've wanted to know myself in and out and I'm completely happy with who I am today. There's no lack of confidence there at all. There doesn't seem to be. (laughs) (laughs) There's truly not. (laughs) And what about your relationships with your family and friends and loved ones? How has that changed since you've become sober? Family, friends and loved ones. Family, the family I wanted to keep around, the relationships are amazingly well. The family that uh, it wasn't mutually of interest have peacefully drifted off and I've done the same. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, family or the fact that I've known each other for a, a long time isn't a prerequisite for an ongoing relationship yeah. if it's not healthy. Friends, um, I have in the last two years, three years, it's been quite painful. I've moved on from a couple of old friends. Um, and that, yeah, that's been really, really painful, but it's been necessary because those relationships were no longer um, congruent to my growth and et cetera, et cetera. So the friends that I do have now, 
I completely adore, I completely love. They're, I, there's a reason why they're in my life. They're not just in my life because they've been there for a while. Yeah. Um, and loved ones. Well, you know, I have a sister in recovery. She has three children. And those children, I, I Snapchat those children in the morning. You know, you don't have to do that, but I choose to Snapchat them in the morning because they like the faces and I make a point to show up. I show up. I think if, not if anything I've said identifies with someone, or but showing up, show up for yourself, show up for others, show up for recovery, yeah. show up for life, actually be there. Um, and, that's a, and have integrity like that. That's a massive part of my recovery. Yeah. Yeah. When you say that, are you meaning show up, be reliable, show up? Yeah, yeah. be accountable, be reliable, um, have integrity, be respectful for people's time, show love through action. So I'm assuming this is the opposite of what you were like when you were drinking? Well, if I showed up, it was to complain right. about my life, you know. And I would show up because I've always had those characteristics, but it's showing up for others and for myself, not just being on time, but vomiting on the way because yeah. you're so drunk yeah you know so aa has been described as a spiritual program what does spirituality mean to you spirituality to me means what does it mean spirituality what okay how are i at the moment are practicing my spirituality is i really enjoy praying for forgiveness of myself and others to create peace. That's just what I'm going through at the moment. But also spirituality for me is being aware of how many great things have happened that I've had nothing to do with. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I'm really liking at the moment. Like I had nothing to do with my getting my house. I had nothing to do with, um, you know, my getting my cats, for example. And I know they're very little things. Well, the house isn't this obviously massive. But those incremental things and there is so many it's like I didn't have to meddle to get that I didn't have to over exert myself to get that so at the moment it's just reminding myself that amazing things can happen without me overthinking and putting in overwhelming amounts of anxious effort to get what I think I want so that's a real focus for me at the moment just to hand it over and go I have you know, universal energies or whatever happening in my life that that I, I trust. Yeah. Yeah. And how does spirituality differ from religion, in your opinion? Well, I don't know anything about religion. I'm actually listening to the Bible at the moment, actually, from the <laughs> Old Testament. It's a very interesting story. Um, but I don't know anything about religion. We never went. Um, I'm not pro, pro-con. I have no experience. So to, for me to talk on it would just... It's not that necessary, yeah. Cool. So what does a life lived on a spiritual basis look like for you? It means self-honesty. It means accountability. That's what it means for me, is making choices to do the right thing. And if I haven't done the right thing to, to own up to it and be better next time so like I could say meditate I could say pray right I could say go walk in nature and pet a dog or something but for me it's more 
an honest um, acknowledgement and action, if needs be, of my emotional well-being. Right. Yeah. Cool. And lastly, what would you suggest for any listeners who think they may might have a drinking problem? What advice would you give them? I'd just go to AA, see what it's like. You know, you know, well, if you've got a drinking problem, like I'm sorry that you're in so much pain and discomfort because to think some – like when I thought I had a drinking problem, it's it takes a while to get to that point, you know. Um, but I would suggest, you know, go to AA and then go to AA and then go to AA and go to AA for every day for a week and you'll definitely know by the end of that week if yeah. you are or not, <laughs> like, if you identify or not. And if you don't identify but you still clearly think there's something wrong, then you can find another avenue for what suits, yeah. suits you. And lastly, what questions would you ask somebody to help them decide if they needed help? Uh, I probably wouldn't ask them questions. I'd just tell them my story and yeah. just see what they said and then see if there's any offshoot of I- identification that we could just openly talk about after that point. Okay. Joanna, thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing your story with You're us. welcome. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or would like some information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or you can call us on 0800 AA works. There are over 26 meetings in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear more from AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30 on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening and remember if you want to drink that's your business and if you want to stop we can help and you don't have to do it alone. We're now going to close the show with a serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God grant grant me the serenity serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and And the the wisdom wisdom to to know know the difference. difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.